Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Amen. Thank you, Brad, and the team. It is really great to see all of you uh, here this morning. Um, Fuller House this morning, and it's exciting because in about two weeks' time, we're going to be uh, starting with expansion. So it's great that we are kind of getting ready for, for that. But if you will turn with me to Second Corinthians, we continue on, um, and today we will be reading from uh, chapter 7, from verse 2 to 16. And as I read, I want you to maybe take notice of two things. One is how many times the word comfort is used. And secondly, see if you can spot all the emotions mentioned in the text. Alright? So that's what we're going to be reading. Second Corinthians chapter 7. And we're going to read from 2 to the end. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I say before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I'm acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort. In all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting with doubt and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you are grieved, but because you are grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, 
nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore, we are comforted. And besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For, for whatever boasts I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus has proved true. And his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. Lord, indeed, speak to us through your word. Lord, I pray, may you um, hide me and that Christ alone will be exalted. Um, Carry me, Lord, and, and help me here to proclaim faithfully your word. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. So, we're going to be talking about emotions. There's a lot of emotions that, that are uh, happening in this text. And initially, if you read your bulletins, uh, the title I gave to Michelle uh, was a call to comfort. Because as you saw, it appears a number of times in, in our text. Um, but as I was going through... The passage again and again over the weekend, I, I, I changed it a little bit and we entitled sermon, Are We Okay? And, and the reason is, um, this is a, this section of, of our, our book of Corinthians is speaking about joy, uh, about Paul kind of checking in, uh, and speaking of restoration in their relationship between him and the Corinthian church. So let me give you a little bit of, of background so that you understand. So Paul wrote 1 Corinthians in, a, in response to first letter detailing problems in the church and calling on them to repent. Then Paul visited the Corinthians personally to address their refusal to accept the first letter. Then he probably wrote a third letter with anguish and tears calling and calling on them to repent. And this is what this passage is referring to. When, and, and the matter that, that the passage is speaking about is of that man who was living with his father's wife. We see this in 1 Corinthians 5. But in this letter, in 2 Corinthians, um, the, the, it's obvious that the Corinthians did repent they heard what paul had said in 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 his um true second letter this is as it were the 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 fourth letter that we have and so he they did remove the person from their midst and, and so paul is basically saying with a reconciliatory tone I know my letter was harsh confronting you, but are we okay? <laughs> and so look, look at how he starts this section. 
make room in your hearts for us. So my, my first point in, in this morning is to say that affections matter. Make room in your heart for us. Now in the original language, that in your heart is not present. The, the, the sense here is um, receive as well. Um, the, the sense is, please, yeah, would you um, make room for, for us? But the point here that I want us to see is that Paul is interested in how the believers relate to him. Paul cares for how are they doing emotionally, how, how are, are they uh, relating to him, how did they receive the letter and, and, and how they respond. And so he's appealing to their affections. And this, this whole passage is full with affections and, and even ends um, in verse 15 with, again, with affection. My point here that I want to highlight to us is that affections matter, that we are emotional beings. And in the body of Christ, in the church, <clears throat> this is important. We are not, we are not robots. Uh, we don't want to be treated as machines. In fact, when you phone a company and you get a, a machine answer, you hate it. <laughs> because you want to hear a real person and you want to connect. And Paul, even in this text, there are about 14 emotions described in, in this text. And he highlights this, uh, this emotional connection. And, and he says, I've, we've wronged no one, we have corrupted no one, we haven't taken advantage, advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I say before that you are in our hearts. Again, this is, this is connecting. It's, it's, it's emotional, it's, it's, it's connectedness. So, my point is, how, how are, are we connecting? How do you connect to fellow believers in the church? Do we, do we go beyond the, how, how was your week and, 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 and the superficial? Are, are we really affected emotionally are we do we do we actually really care or how are we superficially connected and I, I want to maybe take this time to to apologize from my side um, if at some point you were treated by me as if you were just a task filler. In other words, there needs something, there's something that needs to be done, and I need someone to do that. Could you do, can you just do that? 
I want to sincerely apologize for, for that, if, if I made you feel uh, that way. I care for you, whether you fulfill a task or not. <laughs> and I know, uh, I know that Pastor Charles uh, is, is this, the same. We, 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 we care for you. We want to love and care for one another and, and care for each other deeply, not wanting, as Paul said, taking advantage of anyone, but really caring for them. And he, he's not blaming them. In, in actual fact, he's complimenting them. And what is he complimenting them on? And we look at, at verse 4. I'm acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I'm filled with comfort in all our affliction. I'm overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. So, our, my second point is, is speaking here about the source, the source of comfort that we receive, that Paul is speaking about here. He, he compliments them in, in being a source of comfort um, to him. He, Paul had gone through tremendous afflictions. And, and he says there, there was fighting without and fear within. It seems that he had gone through both physical and emotional turmoil. And he was downcast. And there are times that we, we go through similar things. We are downcast. We, there are um, just things over and over again uh, that happen to us. One thing after the other is like, can I just catch a break? There, there is maybe financial issues or emotional issues and, and you feel overwhelmed. And, and how, how, do we, how do we go about it? Last, last week, I was, uh, um, as I got to, to the office and, and, and Michelle asked me, so how are you doing? How's your week been? Like, terrible week. I got scammed and then I had to buy a new battery for the car because it, it wasn't working. And then I bought and then the following day wasn't working again. And it's like, come on. <laughs> and so how, how are we Comforted. What is the source of comfort that we receive? So I want to mention two sources of comfort. First is through God's nearness. And we know this. Um, for example, Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So there are times that you and I are going to be comforted by the experiencing of God's nearness and presence with you. It is that of what, for example, Corrie, Corrie Ten Boon experienced. Even as she went through uh, amazing trials 
and, and horror, seeing, witnessing horrors in, in concentration camps and, and all of that. And yet, just a great example of trusting in Jesus and experiencing His presence with her. One of her quotes was, When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. So there are times that we are comforted by experiencing God's presence and nearness. And, and, and it, this is difficult to, to, to fully explain, but, but maybe some of you may have experienced this. That outwardly, if someone were to look outwardly to what you're going through, it seems like your whole world is falling apart. And yet, there is an inner peace with you that cannot be naturally explained. You should be falling apart, but the grace of God, the presence of God, His nearness to you is, is present, and so you are comforted in those situations. But a, a, another source of comfort is that of God's people. Through God's people, we are comforted. Look at verse 6 and, and 7. We were com- comforted as by, uh, comfort us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. Sometimes God will send people to comfort you. God will send God's people to comfort you. Uh, There are maybe conversations that will just boost your spirit, that will encourage you. There are, there is, um, one of the guys that uh, kind of mentored me for a little while, um, when I went to be, uh, to become a credit as the Baptist Union minister, they assign you someone to, uh, when you are a probationer, and for two years you kind of rock, walk a road with uh, uh, an experienced pastor, and then afterwards they kind of sign off, he's, he's okay for ministry. Uh, and and one, one of uh, um, the pastors that I, I met with, uh, Neville Johani, um, uh, he used to tell me, Isaac, in ministry, you need to um, manage your time and make sure that you spend time talking with bucketful people. He will say, bucket full people. And he will say, there are people and congregants that are draining your, that drains your bucket. <laughs> and there are people in, 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 in your ministry that will fill your bucket. That you come out of, of talking to them and you just feel boosted. <laughs> and that your spirit is, in, uh, is encouraged. And so, a source of comfort is sometimes the people of God. Now there is an implication here that I don't want us to miss. 
In order for us to be comforted by God through His people, you have to be in fellowship with His people. In order for you to be comforted by God through His people, you have to be in fellowship with His people. How can you be comforted by God's people if you're not around God's people? I have been in, in visits where, where uh, the, a, a person would say to me, you know, I feel so alone, I, I, I've gone through so much and there hasn't been anyone around me. But the person hasn't come to church or been around other believers for the longest time. How can one know what each other is going through if you're not fellowshipping with God's people? It will be almost unfair to say, well, no one has been with me when, when the person is, is not um, um, <clears throat> around others. And so, do not neglect this. The gathering of the saints, the, the fellowship, your Bible study. Be part of a Bible study. You need community of believers in order for you to be comforted by God. God uses His people to encourage. So, even for you guys watching online, if you are able to come, come to church. So that you can be comforted and you can comfort others as well. But thirdly, in this Christian walk, in this relationship that we experience amidst us, godly grief is part of the deal. There is a grief that we're going to receive as we go about the Christian life. And this is what the, the, the church in Corinth experienced. They experienced Paul, Paul correcting them. Kind of, you know, um, for, for those of you, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but in the older generation, if you're at school and you didn't do something right, you like, uh, will pull your ear, um, you know, in, in Peru, I did my schooling in Peru, and we had to have kind of military um, um, haircuts. And if it was long, they would like pull from here. <laughs> um, and, and it was not, not fun. So Paul was, had, correcting, had corrected the Corinthians, had called them out saying, you cannot have... This guy who's sleeping with his father's wife, just fellowshipping with that. You, you have to correct him. He's calling them out. He confronts their sin. And that, obviously, must have hurt them. Think about it. No one likes to be called out. None of us likes to be called out. No, none of us like, would like to be confronted by any sin pointed to, out to us. But Paul says, this is necessary. This is for your good. Look at verse 10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. 
So they they had received this um, this correction and and they got hurt. Now I want to maybe show two examples, uh, two biblical examples of of these two things that that Paul speaks about of, about godly grief and and a worldly grief and and this is found maybe with Peter and Judas. So with with Peter, he experienced a godly grief. We we read in Matthew twenty six. This is after he denies Jesus and the rooster crows. And the Bible says, And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, You will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. I, 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 I think that it really cut to his heart as soon as that crows uh, as soon as that, as that rooster crowed, it, it cut through his heart and he wept bitterly. Now, if you examine Peter's life after this event, it's completely different. He, he's, he's, he's a, the, a great preacher. His shadow was, was healing people. It led to life. This was a, a grieving um, experience that he experienced and he repented and this led to life on the other hand Judas he, he, didn't, this, he did not have a worldly grief you read in Matthew 27 then we, when Judas his betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying I have sinned by betraying innocent blood they said what is that to us? See it to yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and hanged himself. This worldly grief just led to, to death. So, what Paul is saying here is that although that letter did grieve them, ultimately it led them to repentance. It was a good thing. None of us is, is perfect. But actually, if we're going to be part of the Christian community, at some point, we are going to be grieved or hurt or confronted by sin. And we must. How can we grow if, if um, no one sharpens us? I know it's, it's not nice because none of us will like this. But, but Paul highlights that they responded well. They were innocent. As they were corrected, their grief led to repentance. And that was a, a good thing. They did not lose anything, verse 9. And so sometimes the problem is, is our pride. When, when someone says to you, hey... I think you need to watch this. You're like, huh? Shocking. How can I be on the wrong? <laughs> and our pride rises up and you get all defensive and you get upset. You might even want to leave the church because someone confronted you by your sin. Corinthians instead had a godly grief that led to repentance. And, and so I wanted to to remember this that 
at the time that they experienced the hurt, it was not great. But it produced godliness. It, it produced something much greater. Um, but the other <clears throat> um, thing that community does is not, not just um, sharpen us in, 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 re- in repentance and, and, and pointing out maybe our, our sins, but it also leads us to refreshment. In verse 13 we see, Therefore we are comforted, and besides our comfort, our comfort we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. Paul was comforted that this, the Corinthians went through. But furthermore, um, Titus' spirit was refreshed by the fellowship with the Corinthian church. The church community and fellowship help us to remain refreshed. The means of grace helps us to remain refreshed. My dad used to use an illustration all the time that we as Christians are like a coal that while it's on the fire with other coals we are warm and hot as soon as you remove that coal and leave it on the side it just grows cold and dies there is a, a reason for us to to be with with one another and gather together, um, and as we experience community, we experience comfort and refreshment. We enjoy fellowship with other believers. Now, is it possible for someone to come to the church to be a church? And not to be moved in any way? Yeah, it's possible. And, and there can be various reasons for that. It can be because um, of maybe they're not believers, un- unregenerate hearts. Maybe it's because of dwelling sin or unrepentant sin or coldness, etc. There, there could be a number of reasons why someone comes to the church and, and is not moved in any way. But I do want to highlight that there is a difference between being at church and being the church. There is a difference between you coming and just watching from the sidelines and, and being with other believers and, and being involved and being the church. Those that are the church. They are going to rejoice with those who rejoice. They're going to weep with those who weep. They, they're going to feel it. They're going to encourage one another. They're going to grow. Very early in my youth ministry, I recognized that those young people that were getting involved, they were growing. The rest of them were not. And so, being... Not just at church, but being the church 
fulfilling the role that God has specifically gifted you. If we play our role, I, I believe we are going to be refreshed. We are going to be comforted. We are going to experience the great benefits that God gives us through the church community and the fellowship. But lastly, as I mentioned earlier, Paul's stone is restoration. And he gives us very easy in terms of what's the purpose of this passage, this text. Well, he gives us uh, bluntly. He says in verse 12, So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. And so this last point, reflecting how are your affections. We see here Paul's intention in writing. He's telling us why. His, his affection He's saying, I'm not, I, I didn't even write this for, because of that guy who sinned, sleeping with his father's wife. I didn't write for, for his sake or for the one that suffered. But in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. And I read this verse a number of times. Like, what, what is Paul saying here? He was trying to show them that they cared for him, although they had been grieved. One theologian puts it like this, You were not yourselves aware of the attachment that you felt towards me until you had trial of it in this matter Paul speaking of Titus and his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all how you received him with fear and trembling I rejoice because I have complete confidence with you and so I want to conclude here in in mentioning what, what I said in the beginning, that affections matter. For me, it's abundantly clear that here Paul is trying to say, well, uh, we, we've been restored. You didn't know that you cared so much for me. You had to go through a difficult time. Titus is, has even a greater affection for you now. And so my question is, my question for us today is, how are your affections? How are your affections towards God? Are you, are you loving God? In your prayer, do you, do you feel emotional towards God? Now, I know not everybody is emotional. It's like, Isaac, we know that you're emotional. You cry almost every time you preach. You, we, I'm not like you, and, and praise the Lord for that. But however, 
this was what Jesus commanded, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So how is your affections towards the Lord? How are your affections towards brothers and sisters? Jonathan Edwards says, True religion in great part consists in holy affections. And so may, may, may the Lord help us rekindle our affections towards Him as we look to the gospel that Jesus Christ died for you and me, wretched sinners, and showed this great love for us, undeserving sinners. May, may, as we look and reflect on that, may, may our affections towards Him be kindled and say, Lord, I love you. I love you with all my heart. Restore in me these affections. Take out this heart of coldness. And as, as our affections grow towards Him, may our affections grow towards each other. And as, as you hear people going through difficult times, or you see prayer requests coming in, let us go beyond the hand emoji praying and say, I, I, I want to contact them, that person. How, how are you really doing? May our affections towards God and each other grow. May the Lord help us. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the great love that you have shown to us in the death of Jesus Christ for our sins. Lord, we, we pray that you would help us to love you, to express our affections towards you, restore and renew afresh that, Lord, through the means of grace, through the fellowship of, of your people. Lord, help us to love one another deeply, God, that we, we love each other so much that we are, in fact, willing to point out maybe areas of sin in each other's life, that we may grow together, because at the end of the day, it's it's becoming like Christ, the ultimate purpose, Lord. Not just not, not being content with a, a worldly life or, or a life of unrepentant sin. So, Lord, would you help us and, and sharpen us through our brothers and sisters, Lord. For those of us that are maybe have grown cold in their love for you, in their quiet time. Oh Lord, would you restore uh, a zeal, a spiritual fervor to your people, oh God. Restore that in us here at the hill and at Arcadia. Would you stir our hearts, stir our emotions, our affections towards you, we pray. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.